Are you prepared? Are you willing to be someone's Philip? That's the question I want to explore this evening. But before I get to that, I have something rather more personal that I want to say to the community gathered here. I begin by making what I hope are three fair assumptions. First, that those of us who are gathered here this evening for the annual Gay Pride Eucharist for Human Rights are gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgendered, or that our affections are differently oriented, but we have made a commitment nonetheless to live our lives in solidarity with our LGBT sons and daughters, nieces and nephews, sisters and brothers, co-workers, friends, colleagues, and neighbors. Second, we all make up a community of wonderfully made and profoundly committed people who are devoted heart and soul to the full inclusion of absolutely everybody, including those who exclude us because of our inclusion of all God's children. And third, that all of us have come to where we are in the struggle for full inclusion, surely by different paths, but that in some way, to some degree, we are where we are because we have come to this place walking with Jesus. Friends, I frame these assumptions this way because as a bishop, and for most of you as your bishop, though at this point on a very short leash, among my deepest desires is to stand clearly and unambiguously among you. In whatever ways I have done that, I am grateful for having had the privilege and to God's honor and glory alone. But I also plead with you for your forgiveness, sisters and brothers, for what I may have done or left undone that caused you pain or hurt or frustration or anger or any other sort of agony. For all of those things, none known and unknown to me, I ask your forgiveness and God's. Now, today is an interesting constellation of holy days. Today is National Coming Out Day. Today is the 50th anniversary of the opening of the Second Vatican Council by Johnny Unitas. And today is also in our calendar, 
the feast of St. Philip, deacon and evangelist, the patron saint of our cathedral church. Now, we don't know nearly as much about Philip as we know about many of the other bishops and evangelists and teachers and preachers of the church in those early decades after the resurrection. What we do know is that Philip was a traveler and that along his path, he took opportunities to tell the story of Jesus. In tonight's reading from Acts, Philip was making his way south from Jerusalem toward Gaza in a largely dry wilderness territory. And along the way, Philip meets this Ethiopian eunuch sitting in his chariot, reading a suffering servant passage from the prophecy of Isaiah. Philip becomes the eunuch's teacher in that culture, an act of radical welcome and inclusivity. Philip becomes the eunuch's traveling companion, a profound act of trust. And when they come upon a pool of water in an otherwise dry and barren land, Philip becomes the priest at whose hands the eunuch receives baptism and experiences the powerful activity of the Spirit. Philip then continues on his way, goes on with his journey, telling others about Jesus. Many and varied are the paths to God. But dear ones, quite frankly, most of us came to God because somebody carried us. Whether it was a parent who carried us to the font or a friend whose Christ-filled love carried us through a rough patch of life, or a spouse or a partner or a lover whose nurture of our soul and body carries us to new places that are on fire with God's presence, or the simple, humbling experience that happens to all of us sooner or later of being carried on the prayers of the church. Most of us have come to the place we are in God because we've been carried there by those who love us. Who carried you to God? Only a very few ever get to God without being carried by others. And the stories of those who carried us are about as important as any stories we could tell. We would all benefit from simply sitting with friends and telling each other 
about being carried to God. So then, let me ask you the question that has perhaps been rolling around in your head while I've been rambling around. Are you prepared? Are you willing to be someone's Philip? Are you prepared to travel alongside someone? Someone perhaps as strange and unlike you as the Ethiopian eunuch would have been to Philip. That's what it means to be inclusive, I think. I mean, anyone can welcome people who are like us, those who see things the same way we do, those for whom we have a natural attraction. But what about those different from us? Those who irritate us, those who embarrass us, those who cause a visceral explosion of negative reactivity in us. Those are the ones who call us to deeper faithfulness and who give our commitment to inclusivity real meaning. Are you ready? To tell the Ethiopian eunuchs in your life about what you've seen and heard? Are you capable of opening your arms wide enough to be their priest? To be a means of God's transformation in their lives? Being someone's Philip. Carrying someone to God is very hard work. But it is work that we cannot escape if we are committed to full inclusion of absolutely everyone. Remember the words of the colic for the Feast of St. Philip? Holy God, no one is excluded from your love. And your truth transforms the minds of all who seek you. You know, friends, folks like you and me committed to open doors and open hearts and open arms, committed to full inclusion, were recently ridiculed by a bishop of the church ridiculed for what he called the church's indiscriminate inclusivity. That was really irritating. But I thought, well, if we're going to play word games, two can play this. And so I retorted by saying, well, I believe, and I believe the church teaches that we should practice discriminating exclusivity. We should welcome only those for whom the Lord has died and the rest can go to hell. I've often wondered 
what it was about Philip, his upbringing, his education, his personal, personal circumstances, perhaps the thorn in his own flesh, whatever it was that made it possible for him to stand so clearly over against the customs and norms of his time and culture and to carry Jesus, to carry to Jesus one that was radically different, one that was a pariah, one that was a foreigner, one that was a laughingstock, a person whose mama nobody knew. Ponder that. What made it possible for Philip to be Philip? To show such radical hospitality, to build a relationship with one so different from himself. Dear ones, I think there's really only one answer to that. Philip's capacity to welcome the Ethiopian eunuch and to lead him to the water of life is a reflection of Philip's own experience of being welcomed by God, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. Philip hosted St. Paul, you know, on one of Paul's missionary journeys out to the east. And I can't help but wonder if they didn't sit around late into the night sipping on something talking about their experience of God's radical welcome in their lives. Think about Paul's history. But it was Paul who learned. It was Paul whose life was changed. And it's Paul who said to us, welcome one another as freely as God in Christ has welcomed you. Philip may not have been a eunuch or a foreigner or a laughingstock, but Philip was a human being. And that alone means that he knew the feeling of being outside, of being outside the circle of welcome, of being ignored, of being chosen last if chosen at all. Philip, certainly like all of us, knew what it meant to be excluded. But somewhere in all of that, someone carried Philip far enough for him to be able to see the outstretched arms of Jesus on the hardwood of the cross so that everyone might come within the reach of his saving embrace. Philip discovered what it means to be held in the arms of a lover who will never let you go. Philip discovered what it means to be held forever in the arms of God. Philip could be the minister of God's radical welcome the minister of God's unrelenting love because he knew what it was to have received. So, friends, I ask you again, are you prepared 
Are you willing to be someone's 